Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the uh, last 25 minutes of today's issues. Last 25 minutes for today, not like in history. (laughs) (laughs) That I know of. I mean, who knows what will happen in 15 minutes. Jesus is coming soon, they say, you know. Could be today. Or we could slide off the hill into the neighborhood behind us here. uh, because So that could happen, too. But uh, anyway, thanks for joining us on uh, today's issues. And we do have a uh, uh, studio gallery. Here, uh, a lot of 1,500 folks, uh, not, not 1,500 folks in this studio. We would, we would be sure enough be a super spreader. Wouldn't we, uh, Fred, but we have, uh, folks in 1,500 people are coming into Tupelo this weekend for the marriage family life conference. That's an annual event that we host. And, uh, so a lot of folks are coming in to see the new AFA, AFR, uh, uh, facilities. And we're so so thankful always to meet and greet folks who write us checks, Fred, and pray yes, for us, right? That's amen. We got a representatives from my home country, Canada here. Hey. hey. Toronto okay. folks here. Toronto. Toronto, yes. Welcome yeah. to America. <laughs> uh, they live in Illinois now. Oh. Okay. So and have for a number of years. But uh, they, they Appreciate. So, Steve, you subscribe to the. If I talk louder, my my language will be better. The foreigners will understand. Yes. I I never will forget. JJ Jasper went on a mission trip with uh, with his daughter. Uh This is ten five ten years ago. One of his daughters, and he tells this story. And so he's talking to these little uh, Central American children, right? Who you know only know Spanish, and uh, so. JJ's talking in the only language he knows pretty much, and that's Kentucky Appalachian English. <laughs> huh? He's an Appalachian American, you know. So uh, he he's, he he. So JJ trying to talk to these little children in Guatemala, El Salvador, or something. Uh, when he begins to talk to him, starts to talk shout. Right. Right. So he's shouting in English, right? And his daughter looks at him and she says, "Like Dad, just because you yell." Doesn't mean they understand you. Any. He thought if I shout louder in English, maybe they'll understand me. But uh, anyway, he tells Doesn't that story. That yeah. All right. You're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. The uh, uh, you want to watch on the internet, YouTube, or Facebook. Type in today's issues. Steve, go ahead. I have an amazing story to start with, and it's a good story. Um, and for our studio audience, I'm sorry, you're probably not going to be able to hear what's going on, but um, there's, we've got, this is the founder of the Church of Satan in South Africa who has found Christ. Oh. It, it, and it's the most amazing story I've ever heard. So let me set this clip up. This is a, a guy named Ryan Swigler. And he's the former, now, head of the South African Church of Satan. Um, He said that he, in his life, has found four Christians who ever treated him with, with, uh, like, unmitigated love. And one of them was a lady, uh, as, as he was preparing for an interview on a radio station about the Church of Satan, the person that worked for the radio station that was setting up the interview 
Um, they got to kind of know each other on the phone, and but it was during COVID, so they couldn't. Excuse me for interrupting you. Not interrupt. Really, I don't really, it's your show. Okay. Well, <laughs> I do get taken to task by a lot of listeners, but yeah. over interrupting. But I have to ask questions. Yeah, so people yeah. don't understand. Sure. Is this actually called the Church of Satan? Yes, it is. Okay. It's called the Church of Satan. <laughs> I just. Yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, it's called the Church of Satan. And yep. this guy, okay. And so um, this guy was uh, interacting with this woman. Her, her name is Amy, I think. And uh, and he finally met her when they did the interview. And after the interview, she says, great to meet you. And she gave him a hug. And he said it was the the the, the most warm and the, old, the most warm t- hug he'd ever gotten. And it uh-huh. just felt different than anything he'd ever had before. Um, early in this interview, which you won't hear, he said that he joined the Church of Satan because he was broken. Everybody, he says, thousands of people who join that church are broken. Well, I want you to hear how uh, what happened then after he. So he's about to give his testimony here. Yeah. How long is it? About a minute. That's, I cut okay. it down to about. You cut it. Yeah, the whole thing. The whole. It, but can you, and then you can tell us where people can go on the internet if they want to watch this. Facebook. Our Facebook page is today's issues. Today's Facebook is, page. The whole. Okay. It's about a half an hour story. But what so, we're posting on our today's yeah, issue's yes, Facebook page. Okay. All but right. We're about to hear a minute of it, right? A minute now. of it. Cut seven. And or she two. hugged me. And she held me in a way that I've never been loved. And a week later, through WhatsApp, through a status, I saw this woman is a Christian. I couldn't believe it because I've never had a Christian do that in the occult there is certain rituals that you do to ascend to the top of a pyramid and I did this ritual and I opened myself up and Jesus appeared and I was extremely cocky and I said if you are Jesus you need to prove it and he flooded me with the most beautiful love and energy. And I recognized it immediately because that woman at the radio station showed it to me. Oh. Wow. Very powerful. Yeah. So, so that, who, for people who just tuned in, what were we listening to? That was a man named Ryan Swiegler. Uh, South African used to be the head of the Church of Satan uh-huh. in South Africa, and uh, said uh, yeah. uh, he found Christ because somebody showed him a Christian yeah. showed him unconditional love. And then, the, what I think is an interesting um, part of this is that Jesus appeared to him in a vision. We hear an awful lot about that happening, like in Muslim countries these days. It's that's, I don't think it happens so much in America, with where the gospel is kind of everywhere. If you if you listen. Uh, you can you can hear the gospel of Christ, but in this case, Christ appeared to him in a vision, mm-hmm. and um, and and it, yeah, the, the the witness of Christians who treated him kindly mm-hmm. brought him to Christ. Yeah. Well, the Bible says it's his kindness that will lead you to repentance, yep. right? Yep. I'm paraphrasing there the scriptures, and certainly uh, Christians showing and demonstrating. Uh, the love of Jesus for other people often leads them to the knowledge of Christ and accepting him and salvation, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. pe- that's a part the, of witnessing. The people aren't the enemy. Yeah. 
They're not. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Billy Graham's oldest daughter, Gigi, she was at this conference I attended last week, and she related uh, an experience that her dad had many years ago. Time magazine invited all the people they had put on their cover to a big to-do in New York City. So Billy Graham, he takes his daughter Gigi up to this event in New York City, and it was around the time when Bill Clinton was president. And so Billy Graham found himself on the uh, on the the head table, sitting next to Bill Clinton. And on the way back to the hotel, Gigi said she talked to her dad. She said, "Dad, what did you talk about? What was the conversation?" Because it was at the time of Monica Lewinsky, uh. Uh, in the midst of that whole thing, and. Uh, Billy Graham said, well, here's the approach I use. It is our job as Christians to love people. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to convict them. It's the job of God to judge. Yeah. So uh, it is reaching out with that love, and we let the Holy Spirit deal with as far as the conviction of sin, uh, which I thought was remarkable, but, you know, he was Billy Graham, and he had been in situations like that many times. Uh, but I, I think that's a, a good lesson in that yeah. experience. I just uh, I, I just find it hard to believe there's a place that's actually called the Church of Satan. Well, they're very open about it. Yes. Now, now they will Do they tell have like you, a visitation program. Or? <laughs> I don't, they, they will tell you that they they don't necessarily believe in a figure with horns and a tail. Of course, which isn't Satan. Is an angel a, of light? A, yeah, Satan is a. They're they're getting it from the Bible. They are. Yeah. But and they so they're humanists and it's the kind of uh, it's paganism. Do no harm. Yeah, it's paganism. It's paganism. But it's, but they claim the name of Satan. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, what a wonderful story. And yes. and you can go and watch the whole thing at our today's issues Facebook page. Uh, the interview with this uh, gentleman. Mm-hmm. Next story, Steve. Well, here's someone who needs a visitation from Jesus. Um, we, we're praying, I suppose. Uh, so. After the uh, overturn of Roe v. Wade, there's been a lot of anger on uh, on the left with Democrats and politicians in particular. Never get between a sinner and his sin. <laughs> I got to tell you, it's a dangerous place to be. But this is I'm gonna you're gonna hear Liz Warren, the senator from Massachusetts, who is vowing. It, remember, we're in a time of violence against pro-life pregnancy centers. She's vowing to go after these centers uh, and put a stop to this terrible pro-life stuff, in her words. Uh, let's, let's listen to Cut 10. Here in Massachusetts, these so-called uh, crisis pregnancy centers outnumber genuine abortion clinics by three to one. They are giving it over to people who wish them harm. And that has to stop. We need to put a stop to that in Massachusetts right now. This, that uh, person there, I, I talked myself into not calling her what I wanted to. But she's Senator Elizabeth Warren, right? Correct. AKA Pocahontas. Pocahontas, yes. What Trump calls her. <laughs> she, anyway, she doesn't even know what she's talking about which isn't the first politician I can say that about. But, well, it, maybe she does know what she's talking about. She's saying uh, crisis pregnancy centers are, they're not activist uh, places like sidewalk counselors. 
for example. Now, the net effect of a crisis pregnancy center is the same, that is to save a baby and to hopefully lead people to Christ who are there. But what I'm talking about is the young ladies who go into crisis pregnancy centers, which are almost always run by Christians, right, who are volunteer, many of them who volunteer their time because they want to help save the babies and help the mothers who are in a crisis, thus the name. <clears throat> the the young ladies who come in there come in there voluntarily. Correct. The young they, ladies who work there or the oh the, well, the both, one you, the both. yes. If you're a, yes. if you're 19 years old and you're pregnant and you don't know what to do but you don't you do you feel like uh, should I get an abortion or not? Maybe you no one's forcing them. And, and they say, "Well, you can go to this place, this crisis pregnancy center and they can help you." Uh, yeah, yes, they are motivated by their pro-life stance, but they'll show, but they, but they don't follow the woman home and make sure she doesn't go have an abortion is what I'm saying. So the point is what Elizabeth Warren is doing there, the Senator is saying, uh, what I just described, that is just physical helps for people, ladies who are in trouble, who want to come in voluntarily to a crisis pregnancy center. That is, quote, doing them harm, she says. Yes. Yeah. She, Did you she, notice that? Yes. Yeah. She What she is defining as harm right. is encouraging these young ladies who may come in. Maybe they do an ultrasound and they see right. they see the baby right. in the womb. Right. And that is what convinces these right. young girls this is a human being. And I've been told it's just a blob. So what Elizabeth Warren is saying, by not offering them an, an abortion— or advising them to have an abortion, they're doing these young women That's what harm. she just said. Quote, doing them harm. And she said, shut them down, didn't she? Yes, we, we have to work. There's three to one, she said, in Massachusetts. There's three crisis pregnancy centers to every abortion clinic. That's terrible, according to Elizabeth Warren. Did she not say shut them down or do something about it? What did she say We can there? play that again. I'll play that clip again. This is, this is uh, Elizabeth Warren. Here in Massachusetts these so-called crisis pregnancy centers outnumber genuine abortion clinics by three to one. They are giving it over to people who wish them harm, and that has to stop. We need to put a stop to that in Massachusetts right now. Okay, what I get from that is she wants to shut down by the use of government uh, crisis pregnancy centers. Yes. And right? she's all, isn't that what you get out of that? Yeah. She's also demonizing the people who work there. Yeah. That's, that's what she was saying. And while we're on the topic, can I say that this, the crisis pregnancy centers disprove this talking point that pro-lifers are only worried about the baby in the womb and they don't care about children after they're born. These crisis pregnancy centers care for mothers. Oh, sure. For they years do. after they're born, they have, formula they have diapers they have classes they have all kinds of stuff just because someone doesn't uh, uh, you know subscribe to the socialist view of child care doesn't mean that they're not pro-child they're also charities mm-hmm. yes they're supported by donations from individuals maybe some churches right who uh, give voluntarily so their financial support comes from volunteer volunteers and the ladies who come in to the clinic in a quote crisis pregnancy, also as I said earlier, go in on their own volition. Yep. Nobody's forcing them to go. So for so in if that that being the case, 
for Elizabeth Warren there in Massachusetts to say shut them down or that must stop. Uh, she's saying we it's unacceptable that uh, people are promoting uh, pro-life uh, voluntarily. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, so that's how... Quite frankly, that's how wicked these people are when they in support of pro uh, of abortion. They don't even want you talk about pro choice, right? She doesn't even want young ladies to have the choice of choosing life. Remember, there was a court case in California in the last couple of years, where the California Democrat government was trying to force crisis pregnancy centers to put pamphlets and yeah, information yeah. Yeah. as to where they can get an abortion. And they were trying yeah. to shut this down. But and signage up. up on yeah, the, and that's the mentality of many of these Democrats. It's abortion and nothing else. Right, right. Celebrate it. Celebrate it. Yeah. And, but, and, yeah. and by law, try to shut down what the crisis pregnancy centers are trying to do. Right. What is crisis pregnancy centers? How are they a threat to Elizabeth Warren? Well, if... Are people who think like she does. Well, the, this is the whole... Beauty of the uh, ultrasound in in, an, in in writ large, it, when women see what the picture of their baby, they know it's a human being and they tend to choose life, which is very very harmful to the abortion syndicate like Planned Parenthood and its supporters like Elizabeth. It's about Warren. money, you mean? It's well with Planned Parenthood, it's always about money. With Elizabeth Warren, it's probably about. Um, well, it's about her worldview that you that you know the harm that Elizabeth Warren references when she said to do the women harm is that the 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 narrative that the left puts around abortion is that these women who are forced to bear their children will now live in lives of poverty for the rest of their lives because they were unable or they're not forced. No, that's well, that's a no. lie. Well, this is the narrative I'm talking. Yeah. First of all, they don't have to get pregnant. There are ways to prevent getting pregnant. Yep. Yeah. Do we need to review that? Or? Yeah, I don't think so. Everybody pretty well got. The, there are ways to not get pregnant, right? Uh, there's also, uh, well, you can a- abstain from mm-hmm. from certain activity, right? That's one way. And then they also have birth control. Mm-hmm. I'm not advocating. I'm not talking about. There are ways. I'm saying there are many ways. Several ways, at least, uh, to avoid that. Uh, so, when, when you when you act irresponsibly and, and to get into trouble, then then all of a sudden it's my choice, my body. Well, no, it's not. No, yeah. it's a, your choice. It's somebody else's body living inside yours. Yes. By then, God so designed you a, as a caretaker. Yes. So there's so there's, uh, there's at that point there's uh, two people to consider, not just. Uh, just one. What Elizabeth Warren doesn't want, she doesn't want these young women to have the whole truth. Most importantly, that that's a human being inside. Right. The she world. don't want them to see that ultrasound. I guess that's right. She huh? doesn't want that. That that by by keeping them from seeing an ultrasound, which shows the baby's heartbeat or whatever the we've all seen those pictures the mm-hmm. uh, of the unborn baby in early stages of development. She doesn't want so Elizabeth Warren sound like she doesn't want these women being exposed to that because they're therefore they might keep their baby and that's harm. Yes. The, it, when doing an abortion, the abortionist needs an ultrasound so that they're going in with sharp sure. instruments and they yeah. need to know where to go. So they take an ultrasound, but they always keep the screen pointed away from Why? the woman because if the woman sees the baby, 
She wants the baby. You mean in, in the abortion? I've never been in an abortion. Well, I've not planning. either, but I, this is what I'm told. They, they, they keep the... The abortionist, when he's doing the abortion, needs the ultrasound to know where to perform the abortion, where in the mother's body to put the instruments that are going to... Oh. Next story. All right. Um, boy, our police are under fire. Man, I don't know if you noticed over the 4th of July weekend, but there were riots where people were jumping up and down on police cars with where, where immunity. Where was this? Uh, uh, San Francisco and Philadelphia. I saw I believe, that in Chicago. Yeah, I, yeah, several cities. Well, New York City is having some problems. Uh, they've been losing cops, but it just keeps building. In the month of June alone... The NYPD lost 523 police officers. You mean who retired? 200 of them retired. Uh, 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 roughly, I'm sorry, roughly 120 of them retired. 520 of them uh, resigned. Resi- resigned quit. Or, or quit. Now let me let me rephrase those numbers because I got those backwards. Um, about uh, 123 of those officers resigned. Just quit. The rest of them retired or somehow other transferred out. Well, they found other uh, cities, uh, communities to work at that appreciate their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in New York, uh, to be a cop, well, we talked about this yesterday. And this is going to show up in crime statistics as we go on months and years down the road. This is going to show up in a bad way mm-hmm. once you have a less police officers and less qualified and trained police officers because you said yesterday Fred there was a report about the city uh the New York Police Department now reducing their physical requirements yes because they they can't they they have to do that in order to get enough uh recruits right that's correct they've actually lost New York has actually lost more than 2000 police officers in this year alone and we're only six for the reasons that Steve mentioned: retirement yes. or quitting. Or yes, combination of both. Anything they can do to get out. If they're close to retirement, some of them are taking early retirement. I have sources in the police world that are that I interview that tell me this. And but a lot of them are just saying, "I, I don't want to be a cop anymore. I didn't. This isn't what I signed up for." Yeah, and when you say retirements, it may be somebody who entered the police force when they were twenty years old. So now they're they're twenty years in, they can retire, but that doesn't mean they're they're probably going off to work as a police officer somewhere else. Or do some kind of security, right? Yeah. But that's what's happening in New York. It's because they're not appreciated. Uh, there are attitudes in the municipal government, in the governor of the state, that are all anti-police. Even though the mayor of New York, the new mayor of New York, is a former police officer. He campaigned on reform. And then when he gets in, yeah, but uh, he's, it he's goes not- the other direction. He's a Democrat. He's yeah. He's I I thought maybe he would be different too, but nope. Every politician runs to get elected and governs to stay elected, but for, yeah. the, for his base. But of course, yesterday there was that report that uh, one one of the top aides for Mayor Adams in New York was out scouting a place for him to hold a speaking event. <laughs> That's right. And was yes. uh, and was uh, mugged uh-huh. by two guys. In broad daylight. Yes. And the guy says, uh, you don't want to do this. I work for the mayor, and they beat him up anyway. Or, That's to, right. or at least they uh, robbed him, yes. right? Yeah. They didn't stop him. Pushed him on the ground. Yeah. 
Well, uh, all right. Listen, uh, folks, thanks for joining us on the program today here on uh, American Family Radio. Our podcast for this show is available at AFR.net, AFR.net. And uh, my thanks to Steve and Fred and Chris and Adam. And we'll see you back here tomorrow, everybody.